0: Good morning, y'all. Our passage is going to be coming from Isaiah, the seventh chapter. Give you all a second or two to to find it. That'll be the second chapter. We'll be the seventh chapter, sorry. We'll be reading from verses one through verse 17. When you have it, say Amen. If you don't have it, say, hold up. (laughs) All right. Hear the word of the Lord. In the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet, he could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz, and you and Sheer Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebands, At the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria, the son of Remaliah, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has dis- devised evil against you saying let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tebel as king in the midst of it thus says the Lord God it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey, and when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah the king of Assyria. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us today. Lord, I pray that your word finds a place in the hearts of your people. Teach us this morning, God, how to trust you. Teach us how to stand firm in fear. Show us God. And may the Holy Spirit teach us to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you all may be seated. In South Carolina, in 2007, there was a farmer named Mr. Parker. And Mr. Parker got up like he did any normal morning, heading out to work. And this particular morning, as he put his clothes on and he got ready to walk out of his room, the pocket knife on his dresser catches his eye. And as he walks past the threshold of his bedroom door, something tells him to grab that pocket knife. He turns back. Snatches the pocket knife off the dresser, puts it in his pocket, and he's on to what the day has for. Little does he know that within a few hours, he will be in the fight of his life, fighting for survival. He doesn't know that that's awaiting him. He goes to a meeting, he leaves his meeting, he comes back home. And he gets his boots on, he gets his gloves on, and he fires up the tractor. He connects a few more machines to the tractor because it's harvest time. And the corn needs to be harvested. So he starts making passes down the cornfield, back and forth, back and forth. And as he's making this turn, he notices on the tractor that there's a flat tire. So he decides... I'll just walk to the barn. So he walks to the barn, he grabs the air compressor, throws it in the back of his pickup truck, and drives the pickup truck to the tractor. He takes out the air compressor, connects it to the tire, he's waiting for the tractor's tire to inflate, and as he's walking around checking things out, he realizes that there is a piece of corn stalk jammed in the machine. He's looking in and he can see a lot of the the husk and trash just tumbling around, not going anywhere. So he clears some of it out and he sees the stock that's jammed in. He reaches his hand in, disregarding all the rules that he's learned about that, and he pulls on that stock. But the stock is not moving. So he reaches in and he pulls even harder. It's not coming a loose. This time he reaches in, and instead of pulling, he pushes it. He pushes the stock, and all of a sudden, the stock and his hand trade places, and his hand is sucked into the machine. Here he is, trying to get his hand out of there, mustering all the strength that a grown man can, and he cannot get himself free. He's fighting, trying to get his hand out of this machine. The machine is strained. The gears are turning. Sparks start to fly out of the machine as the motor is stressed. All of a sudden, all of this corn trash begins to ignite. Now he is drenched in sweat He's bleeding profusely, and with his other hand, he's beating away flames. Flames that he can't escape. Sheer panic sets in. Fear sets in. He's afraid of dying right there. He's afraid of his wife finding him burned to death. He's afraid of losing his livelihood. He is afraid, but in that moment, he decides to call on the only help that is sure, and he makes a prayer to God. My question is, do we turn to God in our fear, or do we try to exhaust all the solutions of man? How do we handle fear? See, I want to give us three reasons today why we can trust God's way of operating. Because I believe that it's foundational for us to understand that we can trust His way of operating so that we can trust that He's actually with us. It's hard to trust that God is with us When we don't trust how he's operating. If I can't believe in what he's doing. I'm going to have a hard time believing in him. So I want to give us three reasons today. Why we can trust his operation. The The first reason is sympathy. That God sympathizes with us. He understands where we are. Look at verse 3 here in chapter 7. And the Lord said to Isaiah, go out to meet Ahaz. He said, go out to meet Ahaz. God is sending the prophet Isaiah to this king because God knows what he's up against. God can see that he is in a terrible situation, that his people are frantic. As we read earlier, they are literally shaking like the trees in the forest before the wind. And what I like here is that God goes after Ahaz. God is not waiting around for Ahaz to call out to him. God is pursuing Ahaz. See, Judah was in a state of panic because they were getting attacked from all sides. They had two kingdoms coming together to come against them. The two kingdoms were like, hey, look, Ahaz, the Assyrians are coming. Join with us so that we can fight the Assyrians. But see, Ahaz, he wasn't that kind of king. He's saying, you know, those Assyrians are pretty big. I'm not going to partner with you to get crushed. He was scared. They said, well, if you're not going to partner with us, then what we'll do is get together, come and take care of you, get you out of here and put in our own king and then we'll have somebody to partner with. But God sends the prophet Isaiah to meet him. To say, I understand what you are up against. I understand you are outmanned. You are outgunned. I understand they're bigger than you. But don't worry. He says to him there in, in, in um, verse four, he says, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear. He goes on in verse 5 to let him know, even through verse, verse 6, that these two kingdoms, they will not last. They will not last. They are, like, uh, they are like cold smoldering just before it burns out. He said, God is telling him, look, Ahaz, as I look at my providential watch, those two kingdoms are due for a conclusion.'" He said, they are coming to an end. What is he doing? He is validating Ahaz's fear. He's a God that sympathizes. He goes on to to encourage Ahaz, letting him know they'll be taken care of. You, You don't have to worry. Don't fear be quiet be careful god is encouraging ahaz he wants him to know i'm with you i feel what you're going through i understand that yesterday i was able to watch a um a child running into their mother with with Tears running down their face. And the mom is doing everything she can not to coddle the child. But she's so anxious to to sympathize. So ready to, to validate this situation that the child is facing. Finally, she says, what happened? And the girl says, I was running out there and fell. And Lacey says, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's it's going to be all right. And that is just a mom saying, I know that this situation that happened to you is going to be Okay. Because the operation of going outside and playing and being a kid and running, that's part for the course that will happen. See, she wanted her to know even though this is a painful situation, it's gonna make you tougher for the next one that comes. Soon you're going to be an adult and you're gonna realize that these poor bumps and bruises that you're getting have made you stronger for the hurdles you face now. Trusting the operation and still being able to be sympathetic. That's what she was doing. We can trust God's operation because he sympathizes with us. And I'm so glad to tell you that that's not all he does. My goodness, we would be in a bad place if all he did was sympathize with us. He gives us security. He gives us security. Look at verse 8. He says in in the bottom of verse 7, this Shall not stand. This shall not come to pass. He's letting Ahaz know look, I'm not going to let these kingdoms come in and do what they have threatened to do. He's trying to tell King Ahaz, this is where security lies. You don't have to worry about them. See, but Ahaz has been the type of king that. He goes and worship other gods. He's given himself to idols, making sacrifices. So he's seeing all this destruction around him, enemies from the north, enemies from the west, from the south coming in against him, and he is in panic mode. And God's trying to get him to see that the currency for your security is not other gods. The currency for your deliverance is not a bigger king. He's trying to get Ahaz to see that your security lies in me. See, if Ahaz had paid attention to the promise that his ancestor David got 250 years ago, he would know that David's throne is going to be secure that David's throne is protected by God he he missed that promise he didn't realize that the king of kings was giving him security the one who holds the hearts of kings in his hand and directs them at his will he didn't realize that the king of kings can tell the wind to part the sea yeah. and it doesn't. It. Yeah. That he told a smooth stone to find the forehead of a giant and it listened. Okay. He missed the security that, the, that our God was giving him. Yeah. Yeah. This is true security. Yeah. All the while Ahaz is unable unable to overcome the autism of his sinful flesh. He still can't get a clue. He can't pick up on this security that is literally in his lap. So what does Ahaz do? Ahaz finds the Assyrians over 100 miles away and he appeals to the king. He appeals to the Assyrian king, and he basically says, we want to be your vassal. And a vassal, that's just a a pretty way of saying, we will maintain our, uh, our independence, we'll be our own nation, but we will pay you for security. So to make this happen, he takes gold from the house of God. He takes gold from the house of God and he offers a tribute to this king. Paying for protection, paying for protection with God's money when God is saying, I'm giving you free security. He had it all mixed up. Ahaz could not see straight. And in in his his blindness of not seeing straight, he stepped from the umbrella of divine security to the umbrella of the security of man. Eventually, this is going to prove utter disaster for Ahab. What happens here is that everything that Ahaz was looking for, everything he was trying to secure for his people, he loses it. And we can understand what Ahaz was going through because having these attacks from all sides, he's not the only one afraid. He's not the only one trying to figure out how he's going to survive he has to report back to a kingdom that's wondering when the next attack is going to come he has to report to a people that need security they're frantic they're afraid and they're looking at the king what are you going to do that's what the people of judah are wondering They are just as afraid as he is. And his answer is to sell out to another king. We're going to join with the Assyrians. We'll be our own people, but we're uh, going to have the Assyrian protection. As, As history would play out, Assyria becomes the nation that brings Judah their greatest desolation, their greatest destruction, with with immense oppression. The, The text tells us that the land will be deserted. See, God was going at length to let has no security lies in me. See, we can trust God's operation because he is security. He is security that is matchless. There is no security without God's security. He's better than, than ring. He's better then blink. His security is unmatched. He's the God who controls nature, control history, and time. See, in times of fear, we can trust God's way of operating because he gives us security. He goes a step further in the passage to give something else. Let's take a look at verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol, or as high as the heaven, or high as heaven. Here, God goes again. He has, he's sympathizing with Ahaz, and he moves close to Ahaz. He moves into the neighborhood. As he sympathizes with him and moves close to him, he says, hey. I got the security you need. I realize you're looking for security. It's me. But he didn't stop there. He says, I'm going to give you a sign that will prove to you everything that I'm trying to show you. See, fear has a way of blinding us giving us a a sort of nearsightedness, making us short-sighted. And see, Ahaz couldn't see beyond the pressure of all the fear he was facing. The urgency of his fear was so big that he couldn't see around it. That's a part of life. That happens to us, but God sympathizes. He draws near. He understands that sometimes we, we can't see the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. But God says, I'm going to provide a sign for you. That's what he said to Ahaz. So here he's offering Ahaz a sign. What does he say here? Verse 12. God is already asking. You can ask whatever you want. It can be as high as heaven or literally deep as the lowest pits of hell. Anything in there between. I will make a sign out of it for you. This has only happened once. Ahaz is getting a once-in-a-lifetime, a a once-in-history opportunity. Hear what he he does. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear, O house of David, is is it too little for you to weary me? And this is... Isaiah speaking to him, is it too little for you to weary me that you weary my God also? God is speaking to the prophet Isaiah. And he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Since you won't take one, since you won't ask for one, I'm giving you one says the Lord, and he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Three times God is appealing to Ahaz, sympathizing with him, granting him security, now giving him a sign, promising him proof That you can trust me. Proof that you can trust my way of operating. See, it's hard to see what God is doing when all is happening is attack. All we're dealing with is fear and anxiety and the pressures of things that need to be done that we know we can't do ourselves. God says, I'm going to give you a sign. Ahaz refused it. See, his mind was already made up. Under all the pressure of the pain or the fear that he was in trying to satisfy his people, he had already made up his mind. He had already sent the, his people out to talk and make up a, a, a pact or so with the Assyrians. Rejecting the sign. But what does God do? God says, if you won't take one, I'll just give you one. See, a sign is rarely ever in the middle of the road. Rarely ever is the sign in the middle of the road. Just think about it. When we see a sign, it's off to the side. Or it's high above. So that when whatever we're facing is immediately against us, we can't see right in front of us, but we can see off to the peripheral. We can see right above. God says, I'm giving you a sign. And what the sign does, it never tells you what's immediately happening. It's not telling you what's currently going on. But it always points to a soon-coming reality. See, you can trust God's way of operating because he is giving us a sign Uh that points to a soon-coming reality that says you can trust his operational system. See, with, um, with Farmer Parker, when he found himself in that machine, Bleeding profusely, soaked in sweat, fighting for his life, beating away flames that he can't escape. Uh He cries out to the only help that is certain. And he prays to God. And then God leads him to that. That one thing that for Parker serves as a sign today. For Parker... He had no clue in his mind in the moment that he had that knife that he had never had in his pocket. He used that knife after calling out to God to free himself from the the corn picker that had had his hand that was going to take his life. See, and whenever... Parker tells that story today. He says, I know that God was with me. I know that God was with me because he gave me a sign. The sign was the knife that was with me that I never had. He said, I never carried a knife a day in my life, but I carried one that day, and I haven't carried one since. He said, if it was not for that knife, if God didn't remind me of that knife in my trouble.'" I would not be here today. See, that day, Parker woke up that morning as a sinner. But after this turmoil, after this fearful event, he had given his life to the Savior, the one who had given him a sign. See, Parker experienced physical freedom and spiritual freedom that day. And I want to let you know that God is giving us a sign today. He's reminding us of a sign that he sent long ago. He sent a sign that spans from the height of heaven to the depths of hell. He sent a sign that to, to let us know that there is is a God who sympathizes with us there is a God who is promising us security who is giving us a sign to prove that he is with us you know who that sign is that sign is Jesus Christ the one who came from heaven, who came to this earth to save those who are lost, to live the life that we could not live, to die the debt that we were unfit to die, paying the debt that we could not pay. See, all Ahaz had to do was receive the sympathy, receive the security, receive the sign. That's all that we have to do. He, Ahaz, didn't have to do anything on his own. God already had it figured out. He sends his son Jesus to this earth. A sign on Calvary, he's stretched out. He dies on that cross. They lay him in a tomb. He goes down to the pits of hell to say, I have the keys. Of hell and death. And he rises up. Early. Three days later. But when he gets up. He doesn't get up. And just go to the father. He says. Lo I am with you always. Even until the end of time. And not just that. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. So that one of these days. I can bring you back with me. Strong tower. God is with you. Sometimes you're going to have to look in the mirror and tell yourself that. You're going to have to say it until you believe it. The the marriage might be looking funny. The kids are acting up. They are making dangerous choices, dangerous decisions. You're going to have to tell yourself that God is with me. I can trust his way of operating. I can trust what he's doing. He's better at discipling us than we discipling ourselves. He can take better care of our children than we can. He's better at being married than we are. We can trust his operating system. He's given us a sign, security. And he sympathizes with us. This is Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are with us. We know that you are with us. But Lord, sometimes it's hard to trust that the the things that are causing us fear, it's hard to trust that that's you. Help us to trust your way of operating so that we can stand firm in our fear and know that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen.